Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to season two of the Pop Anime Comics Lounge, where I have with me voice actress Morgan Berry, who has appeared as Tokaku Azuma in Riddle, Story of Devil, Young Ichihiriko in The Boy and the Beast, 13 in My Hero Academia, and Jacqueline in Show by Rocks to name a few, so thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on because you're one of the most popular voice actresses right now. So how did you discover voice acting? I didn't really know voice acting was a thing when I first started because I've always loved anime and I've always loved acting, but it didn't occur to me that I could put two and two together and act in anime, which is really cool because in 2013, I went to my first anime convention and that was magical. It was life-changing. And I've been a fan of some actors like Todd Capricorn and Vic Mignogna since freshman year of high school. And for some reason, it just didn't occur to me that was a thing. I could do voice acting. And I decided I would do a voice acting competition because Todd Capricorn was having one at his convention and I participated and I won. And that's how I got started with voice acting. I won that and Funimation had me come and audition. And now we're going to come back to that in a few questions. Prior to voice acting, you were involved in theater acting. How did you get involved in that? In sixth grade, my friend Rachel was really into to theater and she's like hey I want you to audition for this and I was like okay and I instantly fell in love and I was like, oh my gosh acting is fun I want to do this for the rest of my life and I believe in sixth grade I got the lead role in Narnia I played Susan Pevensey and so that was a lot of fun and ever since then I really want to do this for the rest of my life and now you received some training when you were 14 with the Christian Performing Arts Center how did you discover yes. this group and what did your training exactly consist of with them I found out about that organization through with my friend Debbie and she told me about it and I was like okay I'll check it out and so I ended up joining and staying six years so I started out as just a student learning how to dance and sing and act and then I quickly stepped up a year later I got to sing my first big solo at Bass Performance Hall and that was really exciting and then I joined the professional performing group within the organization we traveled all over the place and it was an all-girl band we traveled we danced and sang I love performing and I also taught singing dancing acting and I I was directing shows and I was acting as a stage manager sometimes. It was a lot of fun. And now you were still heavily involved in theater. How did you balance your time? How do you feel that the two influenced each other? It was really hard to balance both of those because when you are a part of a play or a musical, you have to be very involved in it. You can't miss rehearsals or anything. I started off pursuing mainly theater with my school's theater department. But then because I was so involved teaching and directing at the Christian Performing Arts Center, I had to cut down on how many plays I was a part of. But that's okay because I still got to be a part of the performing arts in that organization. And now we're going to come back to what we started out with on this podcast. And that's how you got into voice acting, which is at Todd Hapricorn's competition. How did your early acting as well as being part of this center and the training you received help to prepare you for this competition? I went in not exactly knowing what we were going to do, but I knew it involved acting. And I guess having all that acting experience really paid off because that's what voice acting is. It's acting just with the voice. I just had fun with it, honestly. I went in thinking, I don't know what's going to come out of this, but I'm going to do my best and I'm just going to have fun with it. I don't want to be too nervous. When Todd handed me the script, I was shaking, but I was like, don't be nervous because if you're nervous, your voice will be shaky and you don't want that. So I just had to calm myself down and I'm just going to have fun with it no matter what happens. And you won this. 
which is no yes. secret. How did that lead to you getting your foot in the door with Funimation? Originally, the prize for the winner was an audition at Funimation. And so I won the auditions through that competition. But even though I won the audition, it still didn't guarantee that I would actually get any roles because I won an audition, not a role. So it's still up to me to prove to them that I could do this. And so I auditioned. And my first audition, I didn't make it in that particular movie. But the shows that came in the future, I started getting roles from there at Funimation. I didn't get a role from my first audition, but after that, I started getting cast. And at your first role, which was Hyper Dementia Neptuna as the voice of Linda, how did you get this role? For Hyper Dementia Neptunia, it was supposed to be a voice match because some of the actors in the video game weren't able to travel down and record for their roles, so we had to have voice matches. And that's what I ended up doing for Linda. I voice matched the original voice from the video game and it ended up being a pretty good fit and I auditioned and then two weeks later I got a call to come in and work for her. And being that it was your first role was there any pressure you were feeling going into the booth for the very first time? Yes because you don't know what role you have or even if you have a role until you get there. It's not like they're gonna text like hey you got the lead role of such and such. They say you'll get a text or an email depending on whether you have an agent or not asking are you available these days these times and you'll say yeah I'm available these days these times cool and you'll go in and that's when you find out what you're voicing for and what you're in. I thought I was going in for background lines. Then when I got in there, it turned out it was an angle. And being that you found out on the spot, how do you get into character? Well, we're not really given much time because you find out which character you're reading for when you get there. So they don't really give you too much time to develop your character. It's a pretty quick process, but I try my best though to do my research before going in because I don't want to mess it up. I want to stay true to the character. I want to respect the character and their past. So I do as much research as I can before I go into the booth. And now you've had many roles in Funimation and you've been kind of typecasted as being a young boy in many <laughs> series. How do you get into the mindset of a young boy? I have a pretty naturally low voice, but it's a lot of fun because it's fun to be something you're not. I can be a little boy, but in reality, I am a grown woman. And I'm still in the process of trying to differentiate different age groups, like five-year-old boy, 10-year-old boy, to 15-year-old boy because I voiced for a teenage boy in Tokyo ESP and I'm still trying to figure out how low should I go for this age. And do you use references to figure out what a 5-year-old sounds like and what a 10-year-old sounds like and what a 15-year-old sounds like? I do. can't really do it without it. I need to hear someone else because I don't want to get it wrong. I want to get it right first time. And now another one of your roles is in Show by Rock as Jacqueline. What was it like for you to be voicing a musician who is a vocalist slash drummer and you are a musician? I was so excited. <laughs> I was recording for Tokaku and Tokaku's very low voice, very deadly, very solemn. And I was finishing a session for Tokaku and Caitlin Glass, the director of Riddle Story of Devil and also the director of Show by Rock after the Riddle session, she was like hey, I want you to watch this clip. And I was like okay, cool. And it was a clip from Show by Rock. I watched it and I was like, oh my gosh, yay! This is so cute! And she's like, you're gonna play this girl. And I was like, so excited. I didn't audition for it. She knew I was a singer and she knew I could do it. So she cast me in the show very quickly and I was really excited because I love singing! And to play an adorable character that sings was really exciting for me and her voice was pretty difficult for me because I don't usually voice for characters with high voices but it was a challenge but it was also very fun. And now you've done a lot of roles with Funimation. Do you typically have to audition for those roles or do you get casted for those roles or is it a mixture of the two? How does the process work there? It's a mixture of the two. A lot of 
lot of times we'll audition for a show, especially if it's a DVD dub, one that maybe takes a year to announce. But when it comes to broadcast dubs, for the most part, the directors will know your voice very well if they've worked with you enough. And so a lot of the times I'll get cast in shows without having to audition, which is nice. Either way, it's fun. But another anime you appeared in as a recurring character was Maria the Virgin Witch as Suzanne. What was it like to yes. be in this anime? It was fun. I liked working with Sunny Strait. He's great. He's super funny. That was my first time working with him at the time. So it was a great experience. And I loved the director, so it was fun. And now being that you're young, I mean, how much direction do you take from voice directors? All of it. You don't want to disappoint the director, that's for sure. But yeah, as an actor, you gotta be able to take direction very well. And sometimes it's hard because you'll get tons of direction all at once and then you just gotta go for it you gotta read that line with every bit of direction they'll say all right first half needs to be faster to match the flats last part needs to be slower let's pronounce this as this and emphasize this word and go and you have to remember all of those directions or else you're gonna have to do it again and that takes a while and now just to clarify for those who don't know there are voice directors as well as sometimes executives on certain shows sit in how does that work at fun with The Boy and the Beast, the Japanese client was very involved with it, and so he specifically approved of the cast. And I didn't get to see him, and he didn't come into the studio, but they talked through emails, and so I got to see some of those emails. But other than that, I haven't really interacted with any of the Japanese clients. And now you've appeared in, as we're going to mention for probably the fifth and multiple times after this question, appeared in many shows, including one or two episodes in Terror Resistance, Noragami, Sector Infected, Wis. OSS, Fairy Tale you were also in, and Dimension W, to name a few. How do you get into character when you have such a little role in an anime? I'd say there's no such thing as a small role, only small actors. But you want to be the person that takes it seriously, no matter how small some people may think that the role is. That character may have one line, but you gotta own that one line. You gotta make people laugh, make people cry. You want to give it your best, no matter how many lines that character happens to have. Wallace Sessions, which is just background lines. Those are super fun. Even though we're just in the background talking, people may not know who we are exactly because it's just background. But those, in my opinion, are the most fun because you can say a lot of things and it's not on a script. You can just act and you can make up your own character for the background. And it's so much fun and it's so free. So those are my favorite sessions. And now with background, is it recorded the same way that a lead would be recorded or a reoccurring character would be recorded? Or is it recorded in more of a free way? Wallace sessions are recorded with three or more actors all together in one booth. Whereas for a named role, it's just that one actor. And now we're going to talk about a role that many people are going to want to know about, which is your role in Shonen Maid as yes. Yuji Hono. He's the character I love talking about the most because he has a good amount of sass, but he's also a really good friend to Chihiro. I loved the lines I got to read for him. And also I love boy voices. I love being able to voice for boys because it's a comfortable range for me. And Hino is the funniest character I have read for. I highly recommend people to watch Shonen Maid. It is so funny, but he's one of my favorite characters to read for. I'm assuming this might be another one of your favorite characters is Trish from Death Battle. What was it like to be part of this show? So nervous because the character is so cool and I wanted to do it justice. I didn't want to mess up and so 
like when I went in to record for her, I was so nervous. But after it was all done, I felt satisfied. And I think it turned out very well. And spoiler alert, her death was brutal. Well, we're not going to talk about it anymore else with that, because I don't want to ruin it for anybody, even though we kind of just did. Now to talk about some of your bigger roles. And you mentioned it before, Tokyo ESP as the character Ozoro. How did this role come about and what was it like to be in a bigger role? I auditioned for Tokyo ESP very randomly. I was on break while recording for Tokaku and the director of Tokyo ESP, Tyler Walker, he came out and he was like, hey, I want you to audition for this. I wasn't on the audition list, but he was just like, hey, audition for my show. And I was like, okay. And so I went in, auditioned for it. And honestly, I did not expect to get it, but I got it. And that's how I got the role of Ayumu. And looking back on it now, to be honest, I wish I would have gone lower with the voice. Sometimes I'll listen back on my previous work and I'll think, man, I wish I would have done that differently. But I really loved his character and despite wishing I had gone lower with the voice, I'm still proud of my work and I really loved his character. How did you go about finding the middle school range that he portrays and really his emotion that he conveys throughout the entire series? I felt the emotion because I was so frustrated. There's one particular scene, and I don't want to spoil anything, but he has to say a certain line to his mother. He's supposed to say, I love you to his mother. I was so angry. I was like, no, you should not love this mother. She is terrible. This whole series, she has treated you like crap. Why would you say you love her? She betrayed you. I felt emotions while recording for Ayumu. I felt anger, and I felt betrayal. So there are scenes where he's hurt because his mother is treating him like crap. Let's just put it that way. And so I felt the pain while I was recording for him. It wasn't hard to get into character for I Am because he goes through a lot in the show. So do you use real world experiences to capture and convey that emotion? I have to think about my own past experiences in order to draw emotions from it. And sometimes I have to go back and relive painful memories in order to draw emotions for this character. But it's always worth it in the end. And then I realized maybe the reason I went through that when I was younger was so that I can draw from those emotions while acting. And now to stay with the Tokyo theme, you had two roles in Tokyo Ghoul. Yes. When you were part of this anime, did you have any idea how big it would become? I was obsessed with Tokyo Ghoul. Oh my gosh. I was already in love with it. So funny story. We recorded for season two first for Tokyo Ghoul Route A. And I was just in the lobby on break. Once again, I was recording for Tokaku and Mike McFarland, who directed Tokyo Ghoul, I believe he was talking to Colleen or Monica at the time, just in the lobby. They were just talking and I was just sitting there chilling and then all of a sudden he says there's this character we don't know if it's a boy or a girl we'll probably just have Morgan read for it and I was like what? I just looked up and he was like yeah come on back and I was like is this for Tokyo Ghoul? because I knew he was directing Tokyo Ghoul at the time and so I was just like oh my gosh are my dreams about to come true? and it's funny because I sang a cover of Unravel the opening song for Tokyo Ghoul I ordered an English cover of that song on my YouTube and it's my biggest hit ever and I don't think Mike knows how obsessed I am with this show obviously he probably didn't know that I sang a cover of the opening because while we were walking back to the booth, he goes, have you heard of Tokyo Ghoul? Have you watched the show? And I was like, yes, I have. I can't go into fangirl mode. I gotta stay professional. And then we went into the booth and I recorded for Ayumu Hoki. And that was a very small role, I guess, to some people's standards because there wasn't very many lines, but it was still very fun. And the character got to get kicked in the face by Kaneki. And that was beautiful. I love Kaneki. Got to say, I got kicked in the face by Kaneki. Then of course, I also got to record for young Nishiki in the first season. So that was also super exciting because I love the show so much. So to be able to be a part of both seasons is a huge blessing. As a fan, I think every voice actor to some degree wants this and it's their dream that if they love an anime, they get to voice in that anime. What does that mean for you? And how does it make you feel that you actually get to achieve that? 
I am super grateful, super honored, and super blessed to be in this position. I do not take it for granted. I still can't believe I'm able to do this. I've always loved anime, and I never thought I'd be in this position. It never even occurred to me that was possible, that this was even a thing. I've always loved acting, and that's what it is, to be able to put two and two together. Anime and acting. It's the most beautiful thing I could imagine. I'm so grateful to be able to do this. And then another one of your roles we mentioned a few times in this podcast is from Riddle Story of the Devil as the character Azuma. Yes, Chokaku Azuma. Which is, I believe, your first main lead character. What is it like to voice her? And how did that all come about? Yes, it was my first lead role. I got it five months after I started voice acting. That was very surprising. I did not expect that to happen so soon in my career. That was super exciting. I can definitely say she's my favorite character that I voiced for because I've always wanted to voice for a strong female hero. And Tokaku was definitely that role for me. And I'm fully confident with my work in that show. And Caitlin Glass is a phenomenal director. I'm so blessed to be able to work with her and she's incredible and Tokaku is a total badass and I love her for it. Voice actors draw from their experience. I would hope you didn't assassinate anybody or have any skills dealing with assassination. How do you relate to her and convey that emotion? Well, I definitely didn't murder anyone, that's for sure. But I love that my range fit perfectly with Tokaku's. It's low and it was so comfortable to speak for her because I have a naturally low voice. And how did you feel that Funimation gave you this main role and kind of trusted you with leading this show? Usually when they cast someone that's pretty new to voice acting or new to the industry, they'll typically put a lot of big names, a lot of experienced actors along with the rest of the cast. I believe I was the only non-veteran voice actor in the cast. And everyone else who was in the main cast has been doing this for years. Jamie Markey and Colleen Plinkenbeard. It was an all-star cast. I was the only newbie. And now another anime that you've been involved in is S13 in My Hero Academia. I love this show. I highly recommend it to anyone. If you love Naruto or Dragon Ball Z, My Hero Academia is the show for you. It is so cool, so encouraging, so inspiring. It is one of my new favorite shows. I am so so excited to be a part of it. And 13 is a gentleman. How do you convey that, considering that you are a woman? Well, funny story. All over the internet, it says that 13 is a male. And even in the manga, he's described as being a gentleman. But the Japanese client for the anime specifically said that 13 is androgynous. So we don't know if 13 in the anime specifically is a boy or a girl. So they wanted a boy voice. But in the Japanese, 13 kind of sounds like a woman. But they wanted the character to be androgynous in the anime and so they chose me to do it another anime you appeared in that is related to music is love live sunshine which is currently airing as a simcast yes a simulcast i don't want to ruin the show for anybody but what were the challenges of doing this anime this way and can you go into a little bit of what a simulcast is yes a simulcast is basically we aired the show around the same time as Japan. And then with the broadcast dub, we air the English dub maybe a few weeks after it airs in Japan, which is crazy fast. So you could see the first episode in Japanese and then maybe a few weeks later hear it in English, which is really cool. And Yoshiko, she's my favorite character. I love her. She's a challenge, though, because the change in her voice is so drastic because she's got another personality known as Yohane. And she has to go be able to speak super high and super low. And I typically voice for characters with low voices. The highest voice that I've ever done is Jacqueline in Show by Rock. 
I'm still struggling for Yoshiko. I'm still trying to go higher with my voice because it's such a drastic voice. Gotta go super high and then super low. I'm getting a mix of opinions from other people saying, I feel like you should go deeper with your voice. And some people say, I feel like you should go higher with your voice. There's always gonna be a mix of opinions. And it's pretty hard because Yoshiko is one of the most popular characters. And so with that, there's a lot of hardcore sub fans. I wanna be able to please sub and dub fans. And it's difficult with such a lovable character. I don't wanna mess it up. And what are the challenges of simulcasting an anime for you? There's not much time to really learn about the character because not very many episodes are out that we can check out in order to do for the research on that particular character. So with every episode that comes out, we learn more about these girls in Love Live. And we do our best to keep all of that information in mind. And we're constantly learning with each new episode that comes out. And now Love Live deals with idols, which is also kind of in your field prior to voice acting as you were a singer. How do you relate mm-hmm. to the anime due to your background? I relate very highly with it, especially Especially with Yoshiko, with Yohane, I relate so heavily with her. Episode 5, that spoke to my heart. I cried. I really feel a deep connection with Yohane. I really do. And now you have also appeared in an anime movie done by Hasoda, the boy and the beast, as a... Young Ichiro Hiko. How did you get casted in this movie? And what is it like to be in this movie, which is done by Hasoda? I was very surprised when I got cast in the movie. This movie was cast very quickly and very differently than any other show or movie in the past. And I auditioned for it. I had the role, but I was still kind of auditioning for it, I guess. Kind of confusing. But I went in, recorded for some lines, and then I got called back maybe a week or so later. And Mike was like, all right, they like it. They just have a few notes. And I was like, okay, cool. And we took those notes into consideration. And then we recorded the rest of the lines. And then we were done. It seemed to happen very quickly, actually. And now what is the major difference with this movie and recording for an anime show? Movies are recorded very quickly. For young Ichiro Hiko, it took me only two hours or an hour and a half to record. And then I was done with the entire movie. Obviously, the movie won some awards. What was it like to be part of something that is so highly regarded in the anime and film community? It's mind-blowing. I'm super blessed to be a part of it because I loved this movie. It's beautiful, and I love the director. So I'm super thankful to be a part of it. And now you also have a video game coming out in 2017, Freedom Planet. Two on the Nintendo platform. How'd you get involved in video game voice acting? My friend Dawn M. Bennett, she plays the lead in Freedom Planet. She plays Lilac. And she was telling me these auditions are top secret. Do you want to audition for it? And I was like, heck yeah. And I auditioned for it. And honestly, I almost didn't audition for Murga because I thought to myself, I don't think my voice could go low enough for her. She's a big villainous dragon. I was thinking, I don't know if my voice would work for her. But then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to audition for her. So I auditioned not thinking that I would even get the role. But I felt that it was still a good idea for me to audition for her. And then I was talking with Dawn and she was like, okay, we really like your audition. It blew our minds. And I was like, are you serious? I was really surprised when she said that because I thought my audition sucked, but they loved it. And then I got cast. And I'm really grateful to be a part of this game because freaking Nintendo. But not only that, the cast is amazing. Christopher Sabat and Lindsay from Ruby. A lot of wonderful actors are a part of this game. And I'm so stoked to be a part of it. And how does a typical voice session work when you work on a video game versus an anime? 
we record lines and we also record reactions and fight efforts. Like, huh, and yeah, we got to record those noises. It's a lot of fun. And you also mentioned that you are a singer and you have a YouTube channel. Yes. What is the name of your YouTube channel and what do you typically do on your YouTube channel and what music do you cover? My YouTube channel is youtube.com slash unknown songbird. So you can probably just search the unknown songbird and it'll probably come up. And what I do is I sing Japanese songs in English. I look up translations online and then I adapt the lyrics in English to make it rhyme and to make it hit each syllable correctly to make it actually make sense because when you do direct translations it doesn't always make sense and so I have to make sure it makes sense and stays true to the original meaning and once I get the lyrics right then I record it in English. And now one of your biggest hits as you mentioned before was the Tokyo Ghoul opening. <laughs> when did Funimation find out that you covered this song if at all? I don't think too many people know I covered the song except for Caitlin Glass. She knows I have a YouTube and she likes it and I'm really glad she likes it but I'm not sure anyone else really knows. I don't really talk about it at the studio much so I don't think anyone else really knows it exists. And now we're gonna wrap up in two or three questions. You've been acting for literally half your life. What advice <laughs> can you give to people who want to enter either theater or voice acting? I would say be heavily involved with your school's theater department. Audition for plays and musicals in your local theater. Be really involved in the world of acting and grow in the art. And you could even Google voice acting classes and workshops in your area. And you can even look up YouTube videos teaching you tips and tricks. And there's so many options to grow in the art of acting. And then final question, do you have anything you'd like to promote? Facebook, Twitter, website, cons, roles, merchandise? Yes, I do. I have a Twitter. It's at TheMorganBerry. And that's the same handle as my Instagram, TheMorganBerry. And my Facebook page is OfficialMorganBerry. Feel free to follow me on my social media account to stay updated on new roles I get and new song covers that I'm covering at the moment. So you'll be updated with all that news if you just follow me on Twitter. Website. Oh, my website is themorganberry.com. As always, thank you for listening to this week's episode. And you can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitch Radio and anywhere else where you listen to your podcasts. And while you wait for next week's episode, you can definitely check out popanimecomics.com for articles relating to anime, comics, and pop culture, as well as you can follow us on Twitter at popanimecomics and on our Facebook page, Pop Anime Comics, for all updates regarding this podcast, as well as the website. Until next week, everybody, have a wonderful week.